Arthur Mages, and welcome you to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers Electronic Storytime presentation of She's a Catch. Now bend your sails and pull up an ear as I turn you over to the saltiest swamps that ever pooped a deck. Bentley and Jameson Brimble Banks. Lucinda, you're sulking. So? You're also in my chair. What are you sulking about? Everything around here is fixed. Benley and I are back in Brimblebank's Manor. The fissures between the worlds are closed. Millicent is always in her room hatching some sort of plan, which means she's not here and thus far less annoying. Yes, that's all well and good. I'm glad you all got happy endings. But I still let love make me fail out of college and got used and then dumped by my fiancé. So excuse me if I still feel like sulking, despite it all. Fine. But you have to do it in my chair. Love hurts, Lucinda. Love isn't real. It most certainly is. It will tell you a story to prove it. Please don't. Your love stories are what caused all of my problems to begin with. Nonsense. Stories only ever help. In Edgar's 78 years of life, 50 of which had been spent in the study of marine life at Chicago's Shedd Aquarium, he had never seen anything like Serena. That was an understatement. Serena had seen things like Edgar. She was just not accustomed to being seen by things like Edgar. Or being in a net. She'd heard the dolphins in the aquarium crying. She'd been curious. She'd been lonely. And now she was still those things, but also in a net. Uh, mermaid? How can that be? Said Edgar, looking her over, his clear blue eyes wide. Serena did look something like a mermaid. A bottom half a green-black tail that shimmered in the moonlight. A top half a bit like a human girl. In the moonlight, her skin was pale grayish, and her long wet hair was green-brown. Let me go! When she spoke, she flashed two rows of sharp needle teeth. Are there others like you? My parents. Dead. What's it like to be on that big circle thing over there? Whatever degree of curiosity Edgar had about the small fish dangling over the water in the late night air in front of him, it was dwarfed by the years of curiosity Serena had stored up with nobody to talk to at all. The Ferris wheel? (laughs) Well, it's actually not as much fun as it looks, huh? You're all closed up in a soundproof box, and there's a television in your box, and... And you have to look through the glass at the city, but... Why Why do those loud flying machines come every year in the summer? Oh, uh, you mean the air and water show? Oh, well, they're just... Actually, I don't know why they do that. Uh, showing off? <laughs> so how long have you been out here looking at Chicago? What's the point of kites? Um... Why do people drink beer? I tried one once and it was gross. Edgar did the best he could to answer her questions, most of which seemed to have been formulated as Serena had swum up and down the lake watching people in the park next to Lakeshore Drive. Edgar's best wasn't very good to Serena's view. What Edgar mostly knew about was marine biology, which meant water and fish. And Serena knew a lot more about water and fish than he did. Eventually, Edgar recovered his bearings and realized he didn't have a fish in his net at all, but a person. And then, without hesitation, and despite the most intense personal and professional curiosity he had felt in twenty years about anything or anyone, he quickly cut her down. With a dart of her tail, Serena was gone into the dark Lake Michigan water. Still, both driven by their curiosity, they had returned the next night, and again, Serena had overwhelmed the old man with all of her questions and with her frustration at his lack of knowledge. As the weeks passed, Serena grew increasingly impatient with Edgar's inability to answer her questions satisfactorily. He didn't like seeing her unhappy, and he knew what it was to be curious. And so, Edgar had taught Serena about the internet, and told her a lot of what she wanted to know would be there somewhere. Then he gave her a laptop computer and promised to charge it for her each day. She was a fast learner, and it didn't take long for her to figure out how to surf. Well, Edgar had his uses, surfing proved a much more informative way to find out about the things she wanted to know. If also a bit uh, confusing. There were actually a lot of confusing things people did on the internet. Some things seemed inexplicably awful, but some of the things were intriguing. 
all of the things required that she keep asking Edgar questions. And after they had known one another for five or six months, Serena did finally feel like she was beginning to understand a few things about Edgar himself and where he spent his time. Marine biologist. <laughs> the aquarium is a prison and you're a prison guard. I suppose you're right. Then why do you act like you're trying to help? I can hear the dolphins crying from here. Some illusions are necessary for a bearable life. Serena had tried to convince him to let all of the fish go many times, but Edgar said he was using the aquarium to try to teach people not to ruin the world, and his kind wrinkled face and clear blue eyes made her think he believed that. Is people ruining the world what made my parents sick? I don't know. Is that why I'm the only mermaid I know? I don't know, Serena. If you teach people not to ruin the world, could you let all the fish go? Yes. I suppose then we could. Well, how long is that going to take? I don't know. I just do my part every day and have faith. <laughs> Cop out. Anyway, you're so old, you wouldn't even make it. Serena didn't intend to be mean, but she got cranky when they talked about these things. Serena felt bad for the fish in the aquarium. She wanted to eat them, sure. She never could find enough fish during the day to eat. It seemed to her she was always hungry. Still, being hungry didn't stop her from pitying the aquarium fish. But then she would think of how the fish and mammals in the aquarium had lots of other fish to talk to, and date, and kiss, and maybe even move in with. She had been watching a lot of romantic comedies on Netflix. Anyway, she figured the fish in the aquarium weren't who she really felt sorry for. For his part, Edgar's curiosity, too, mostly went unsatisfied. Serena did not remember her parents well. She thought they had probably always been in Lake Michigan, and her parents had always spoken English, too. She didn't know what the Caribbean was, nor whether or not she could live in salt water. Do you sing? Serena crossed her arms and narrowed her eyes at him. I can't ask that. Serena looked away. <laughs> What's it to you? Well... The old stories say that mermaids would sing and lure men from their ships. That's <laughs> not how you lure men. <laughs> so, so, so after they sing and lure them, do they date and they, they eventually move in? Move in? I don't know. I, what do they do with men from the ships after they start singing, singing to them? Well, you notice that uh, even when we're talking about mermaids, that you're the one that gets asked the questions? Serena stared at Edgar impatiently. What do they do once they lure them? Well... Don't be embarrassed. I'm old enough to know these things. Well, they eat them. What do you mean? Like, like for food? Serena blushed. Well, it's just stories. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You don't know anything about mermaids. And with that, she ducked under the water and was gone. And so it was that she was browsing the internet one night, sitting on a rock in Montrose Harbor, when she found out about dating sites. On these sites, you could just look at pictures and find someone you like, and talk to them and maybe meet them, and eventually move in together. Or that was what it promised. With a flicker of small hope in her heart, she went to one of the dating sites called plentyoffish.com and typed mermaid into the search box. The answer came back, no search results. Perhaps you should widen your net. She laughed at herself bitterly, feeling sad that she had even tried such a thing. Even if there was a cute mermaid boy somewhere in the world, what were the chances he had met a marine biologist like she had, gotten a laptop, and joined a dating site? No, she thought. If she wanted to see what it was like, at least a little, to meet boys, she would have to pretend to be a human. After all, what was the harm in pretending? She had been given this sorry lot in life, to be the only mermaid in Lake Michigan with no one to love or cuddle, and she didn't think that anyone would judge her too harshly for a small little lie. Just for the chance to have one small glimpse of what romance feels like before she died. Her death, incidentally, was likely to be a ways off, as mermaids live a good long while, and she was still quite young, but these were the terms in which Serena saw things. She used the camera on top of a computer to take a picture of herself, and she was pleased to see that if she kept her mouth shut to hide her teeth and brushed her hair forward to block her gills, then cropped the picture in the right way, she looked a bit like a wet human being. She took a few more photos. Playful. Sexy. Thoughtful, each one very tight-lipped and dimly lit, and posted them on her site. Then there were some questions to answer. Her eye color. Gray. Hair color. Greenish-brown. Body type. She looked at her tail, stretched out languidly on the rock. She frowned. Semi-scaly was not among the available options. 
curvy. Status. Single. Did she have a cat or a dog? Serena had tried having a few pet fish, but she'd always ended up eating them. Job. She considered writing down actress, or professor, or airline pilot. After all, this was all pretend. But then she decided there was only one human job she knew something about, and could talk about if she needed to. Marine biologist. Then she came to the part where she needed to write a description of who she was and what she was looking for. It is very hard to talk about yourself. She wrote. When you're not used to doing it. Then she frowned. Probably everyone thought that. She wanted to stand out. She deleted it. She furrowed her brow and started again. I am a... What words to use? Fun? Intelligent? Brave? I am a fun, intelligent, brave girl. She deleted it. I am an intelligent, brave, fun woman. That was better. In my spare time, I like to fish. Then she added... And swim. Then she thought that might sound suspicious on its own. Someone might think, why does this woman spend all of her time in the water? So she added, I ride horses. She thought for a moment and realized she saw a lot more people on buses on Lakeshore Drive than on horses. So she added, And buses. Oh, she had a true one. I like to watch movies on Netflix. Then it asked her, what are you looking for? This was hard too. She decided to be honest. I'm looking for friends to talk to. I'm looking to learn about the world. And and I'm also looking to learn about love. <laughs> because I've never been in love. And, and it sounds wonderful. And I thought I would like to find somebody who likes to take long walks by the lake. Or, or, or even swim in the lake. <laughs> really, the lake is my favorite part of Chicago, though. I am also very curious about other parts of Chicago that I've never been to. But I I've seen pictures, like for instance, the the green mill and scubas. I enjoy when the symphony plays in the park in the summer, and I'm I'm not a good singer, but I would like to dance with somebody and somebody to listen to music with. I guess I I I cannot dance, but 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 if you were a dancer, I think you might impress me. <laughs> I like fireworks on Navy Pier, and it would be nice if you were someone who likes to watch fireworks with someone. (laughs) I think Shedd Aquarium is an awful place, but I would like it if you liked fish. She chewed on her lip for a moment, which was a mistake because her teeth were tiny and sharp and she cut herself. She added, Because I am a marine biologist. Then she wrote, Eventually, I would like to move in with someone. Thinking on a moment, she deleted that part because she didn't want to seem needy. She posted her profile. Then she swam to Shedd, where she met Edgar to give him the laptop so he could charge it overnight. He asked how her day went, as he usually did. Generally, she didn't have an awful lot to say, as one's days are all much the same when you don't really have any friends or a job. Tonight, she felt she did have something to tell him, but she was embarrassed. She was embarrassed to sound so desperate for love, and she thought Edgar would judge her for being deceptive about her profile, so she didn't tell him the whole truth. Still, she couldn't resist telling him something, so she said, Edgar... Today I found this silly thing called a dating site that humans do. I see. Said Edgar, reaching down off the edge of the pier to take the laptop from her. Yes, it seems silly. Oh? Yes, but I, I couldn't resist doing the search to, to see if there were any, any mermaids. Edgar looked down at her then with so much sorrow in his face that she felt tears behind her eyes and she looked away. There weren't any... Not on a dating site, I would suppose not. If I wanted to go on a dating site, which I would not ever do, of course, I I suppose I would need to pretend to be a human. Edgar sat down on the edge of the pier. He looked out at the water for some moments before he said, I suppose you would. Have you ever been in love? Yes. When she was about to give up on waiting for him to go on, he said, I'm in love now with my wife. She passed away ten years ago. Oh, Oh. how awful. Edgar smiled kindly. It doesn't feel that awful anymore to love someone so much that it doesn't even matter if they're alive or dead. That feels nice. Serena wiped her eyes, which didn't work that well because her hands were already wet. I don't know much about love. I never did. But I'll tell you this. It doesn't work.
if you lie. <laughs> Whatever. Easy for you to say. You have all kinds of people to pick from. Millions of people. Billions of people. You can tell the truth all night long. Edgar slowly stood up. I wouldn't give up if I were you anyway. He tucked the laptop under his arm. You think, you think that there are other mermaids out there somewhere? I wouldn't know. But I think there's love for you. Somehow, you're a lovable mermaid. Serena bared her pointy teeth at him and tried to look vicious. <laughs> <laughs> she ducked under the water and swam away. In the morning, she got the laptop back from Edgar, who asked her how she'd slept, and she lied and said she'd slept fine, although she hadn't. She was strangely excited about her new venture into online dating with humans, and it kept her up thinking about love and humans and dating sites. She didn't want to admit this. She snatched the computer from him without more conversation and swam away with it to Montrose Harbor and her rock. She pulled up the dating site and looked to see if she had received any messages. She had. The first one read, Hey, baby, you're hot. Was she? She looked at the profile. It was an old man who didn't even mention fireworks or love in his profile. She had surprisingly quite a few more messages, so she closed this one and checked on the next. My wife and I have an open relationship, and we both saw your picture and think you're very attractive. Do you have any interest in a new experience? She didn't even know what this one meant. She didn't bother to look at the profile. She closed the message and clicked on the next one. Want to chat? 555 to 354. She frowned. She checked the profile. The guy was not wearing a shirt. And he should have been. And she did not have a phone. She sighed. Most of the rest of the messages were variations of the same. Then she opened the last message. Hi. I've never been in love either. Why do you like riding buses? And are you really a marine biologist? You just look kind of young to be a marine biologist. Rick. She wrote back quickly. Hi. Yes, I am a marine biologist. Why would I say I'm a marine biologist if I am not one? Ask me any any marine biology question and you will see. Uh, I like riding buses because it is nice to travel someplace with someone else. Like, like, like in a school. There are many good reasons to be in a school. For, for instance, it is safer and there are people to talk to. And you do not have to work as hard to decide where to go. I do not often get to do this kind of traveling as a marine biology requires a lot of alone time. On reflection, she realized she had not read his profile, so she did. She frowned. He had nice curly dark hair and a kind broad face. He was smiling and had white flat human teeth. Generally, she thought human teeth were ugly. His looked nice. He was a musician. That made her a bit excited. He wrote music. And his profile said that his favorite place to go in the city was the lake. That it helped inspire him to write his music. He said he was looking for new friends and creative partners and for someone to have a picnic with. She had never had a picnic. She wanted to add more to her letter. She wrote, I've never had a picnic. She got worried that maybe all humans had had a picnic. She changed it. I have not had a picnic in a long time. What kind of music do you write? She clicked send. She ducked her head under the water and came back up. When she did, there was a new message waiting for her. It's hard to describe music. Here's a link to a song I wrote on YouTube. What's your name? She clicked on the link. The music was beautiful. It was electronic music with complex rhythms, but it wasn't dance music. It also sounded like there were violins, like the one she heard in the symphony in the park. It sounded like a love song. Tears came to her eyes. She closed her computer. Then she opened it again right away. She wrote, My name is Serena. Then she closed her computer, stuffed it in its hiding place in the rock crevice, and dove deep into the lake. She swam for hours. In the evening, she came back to her rock in Montrose Harbor. She opened her computer. He had not written another message. This made her angry. She quickly wrote him a new note. You're rude not to finish a conversation. She was going to press send, but then she added... I like your music. Are those violins? She was closing her computer when it beeped. She had a new message. I guess I just didn't know what else to say. Sometimes I get awkward. You didn't ask me a question. I didn't know what else to ask you. I wish I could play the real violin. 
They're synthetic violins. If I had the money, though, I could pay real violinists to play that part of the music. How did the song make you feel? Serena is a pretty name. She wrote back quickly without thinking. Rick is kind of a normal, boring name. But your music isn't normal or boring. If I could play the violin, I would play that song for you for free. (laughs) I will try to ask you questions from now on. What made you write that song? She waited impatiently. Her computer beeped again. In a way, I'm happy that the song made you feel lonely. I wrote it when my grandmother died, and I loved her very much. You say that you don't sing or dance, but maybe you could because you know music better than you think. What an empty compliment, she thought. Flattery. She was terrible at music, but she wrote. I never knew my grandmother, but I was sad when my parents died, so maybe that is why I understood your song, Rick. It's sad to love someone and then be left alone. My friend Edgar says that it's nice, though, to realize that when you're in love with someone, you always love them. Even if they're... even if they're dead. And no, I am not good at music. I'm a very bad singer, even though I think I'm supposed to be a good singer because of who I am. I don't even know how to explain that. I can't even think of what else to ask you. Serena. He wrote back quickly. Yes, that's how I love my grandmother. Your friend is right, I think. I'm sorry to hear about your parents. Who told you you can't sing? I give voice lessons sometimes, and I think most people can sing. Especially someone like you who really wants to. He was making her angry again. What makes you think I want to sing? I've heard singers like like Taylor Swift and Katy Perry, and I sound awful compared to them. (laughs) Katy Perry and Taylor Swift aren't good singers to me. Just because you don't sound like them doesn't mean you can't sing. They're perfectly fine singers. Just because not everyone has electronic violins and many layers to their music about their grandmother. Don't be snobby. You write beautiful music. So you should be nice to other people who want to try to make music. Do you have a dog? They went on like this for hours. He said she didn't sound like she was from Chicago or even the United States. She said she moved from Finland when she was a child. She regretted this when he asked questions about Finland, and she had to do research about Finland, like that it is a parliamentary republic. After that, she mostly told the truth. She told him about Edgar, and he said he thought he would like Edgar. She told him about her parents. He told her about giving voice lessons and his dreams for his music. She told him that she had a dream of finding someone like her in the world, of finding out she was not the only one, and of having a community. He asked. Wait, you don't want to be the only... What? And you want to form a community of what? She said a community of marine biologists. But after she hit send, she realized that was a terrible answer. She was trying to think of something better to say when her computer suddenly turned off. Her battery had run out. She looked around and realized the sun was coming up. They had talked all night. While Serena is forced to take a break, let's take a break too and enjoy this message from one of our sponsors. Mermaids, does this happen to you? I look great in my clamshell bra, but ugh, it's so itchy. Plus, yep, there's still a clam in one. Sick of clams getting a free grab at your cans? Well, thanks to humans constantly dumping garbage in the ocean, your chest jellyfish don't have to be in seashell holders anymore. That's right. Come on down to Garbage Chest, where we've got newer, more comfortable bras made out of all kinds of human trash, like... Milk jugs for your jugs. Cans for your cans. Lampshades for your headlights. Grocery bags for your fun bags. Oven mitts for your tits. Treasure chests for your breasts. Spectacles for your chesticles. Inner tubes for your boobs. Balloonas for your kahunas. Chimichangas for your gazongas. Literal flotation devices for your metaphorical flotation devices. Lockers for your knockers. Rubber bands for your mammary glands. Wait, why are we wearing these things at all? 
We should just cast off the oppression of the patriarchy and let our nautical knackers free to shimmy where the current cares to shake them. No! Shamu finds your shameful body too distracting. He couldn't concentrate on his flips. Cover up your shame! Cover up your shame with Garbage Chest. We now return you to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers electronic story time presentation of More Fish in the Sea. It ran out of batteries, she said, handing the laptop back to Edgar. You didn't bring it last night. I looked for you. I, I was busy. Uh, can you charge it for me while, while, while you're at the aquarium and give it back to me when you leave? Planning on staying up all night again, eh? Stop planning on it, no. But how would I know when it will happen again? I'll meet you here at six. I'll plug it in in the office. Serena went fishing. Then she went swimming north of the coast of the lake. She saw the students at Loyola. From a safe distance, she watched them holding hands or lying on the grass together or having picnics. The sun in the water was particularly beautiful today. She felt happy, hopeful. She didn't really know about what. She was waiting for Edgar at six when he came walking out to her. Not usually good for us to meet in the daylight. He said, handing her the laptop. I know. Serena, I won't advise you to be careful with your heart, because that never got anyone anywhere. But I should remind you that most humans are not like me, and won't know what to do with the fact that mermaids are real, and they may not be kind to you. I already know that. But thank you. I'll keep it in mind if I happen to talk to any humans. She swam as quickly as she could to Montrose Harbor, climbed onto her rock, and opened her laptop. There were messages from last night. Like, hello, hello, and then one from that afternoon. Serena, you didn't say goodbye last night. My computer ran out of batteries. He was there, and he wrote her back right away. Oh, I see. I was worried I offended you, asking about marine biologists again. It just seems strange the way you talk about marine biology, but I do believe you. I was having fun talking to you. <laughs> I was having fun talking to you, too. <laughs> he sent her a link to another song. She liked it as much as the first one. They didn't talk all night this time, and she said goodnight before the battery ran out. Then she swam on her back in slow circles and looked at the moon. It was dawn a week later, after talking to Rick every night in between, that she said to Edgar, Edgar, I think I like a boy. Yes, I thought maybe you did. (laughs) Serena was shocked. She smiled at him, all pointy-teethed. How did you know, Edgar? Oh, the signs are all traditional. (laughs) You're worried about me. Yes, but I'm also happy for you. He's a musician. He writes beautiful music, and and he's lonely, like me. Uh, but I don't know why. Because he's surrounded by people and probably be beautiful human women, and he is very, very, very cute for a human, Edgar. But he is still so lonely. Well, maybe not as lonely now. <laughs> maybe. She said softly, tracing a design in the water with her finger. Edgar nodded. Neither of them said anything for a while. Edgar, I'm not naive. I I know I can't go anywhere. I I know we'll never move in or get married or or even kiss or even meet. But but it's just so nice to talk to someone. I can understand why. I just want this while I can have it. He's going to ask to meet me and I won't be able to and then he'll be gone. I know that. Edgar didn't say anything. I just... Want it while I can have it? I don't see why I can't. I'll charge the laptop. Edgar said, standing up. You understand. Everything ends. But that's no reason not to start. He turned and walked toward the aquarium, the laptop under his arm. Months went by and autumn was coming. Serena could not help but think of winter. Caribbean mermaids must live the same all year round, she thought, but Lake Michigan mermaids, or THE Lake Michigan mermaid, had to live differently. 
In the winter, she was not part of the city of Chicago in the same way. In the cold, fewer people came to the park, and Navy Pier was almost empty. And in the coldest weeks, there was ice near the shore, so she would have to stay farther out and stay deep in the water. There would be some weeks when it would not be possible to come to Shed Aquarium and see Edgar, when she would not be able to get her laptop. But that was still months off, and something else concerned her more. She and Rick had talked almost every night for months. Edgar, he hasn't asked to meet me. I suppose that's good luck. She had gradually told Edgar more and more about her conversations with Rick, and slowly Edgar seemed to come to like Rick. He smiled warmly while he listened to her talk about him. Yes, but I don't know why he hasn't asked to meet me. I thought he really liked me. He does seem to really like you. Maybe he has a girlfriend already. Maybe she lives with him. Maybe he doesn't want to tell her about his little tramp by the lake. I don't know where you find these words. I read a lot, Edgar. Well, you're not a little tramp. Isn't it stupid that I wish he'd ask to meet me? Because when he meets me, I'll have to say no, and then I'll lose him, and I'll be alone again. So why do I want to ask? (laughs) Serena, if he asks to meet you... Are you sure that you want to say... Edgar stopped and rubbed his face. He had not shaven that morning. He looked at her and blinked his watery eyes. Are you sure you want to say... No? (laughs) Edgar lay down on his stomach then. It took him a while to get down there, and he let his hand dangle over the edge of the embankment a foot away from her head. And he just left it there. And eventually, she grasped it and held it. I... Edgar, I can't lose him. I can't be alone again. I don't I don't think I can say no. Edgar said nothing. <laughs> Edgar, she said, the rising sun refracting through her tears so the world was a burst of light. Edgar, some things are worth risking everything for. She looked up at him, and for the first time she saw there were tears in his own eyes. Some things are worth risking everything for. Serena swam where there was dim lighting and she set up her computer and she connected to a video chat. She kept her hair over her gills and tried to remember to keep her mouth shut. And then she saw him. He was very much cuter when he was moving instead of a still picture. He had a beautiful face and sadness in his bright eyes and his voice made her feel like all of Lake Michigan was small and warm and safe. He laughed. He tried to stop laughing. He laughed again. He covered his face and then looked at her and his eyes twinkled. Their conversation got very awkward. Serena felt warm inside. She didn't know what to say. And then he said, Sing for me. No. She said, hiding her face. I I can't. She couldn't, for two reasons. He'd see her teeth, and she was an awful singer. Please... I know it's important to you. I know you want to sing. And I don't believe that you're as bad as you say. Sing anything. I've shared so much of my music with you, and it's not fair that you just won't sing me one song. That was true, thought Serena. He had a point. He'd loved everything about her that she'd shown him so far. Or at least accepted it. And she owed him for all the lovely music he'd given her. Okay. But not in front of the camera. She moved slightly so that she could not be seen. She sang a Katy Perry song, Firework, because she liked fireworks. And then she stopped after a verse and sang a lullaby her father used to sing to her. It was about waves and safety and family and home and community. She finished and she noticed she was smiling. She moved slightly so that she could not be seen. She sang a Katy Perry song, Firework, because she liked fireworks. And then she stopped after a verse and sang a lullaby her father used to sing to her. It was about waves and safety and family and home and community. She finished and she noticed she was smiling. She shut her mouth. She moved back to the camera to see Rick. He was not smiling. Serena, I... He shook his head and opened his mouth to speak again, then closed it. 
shook his head harder. I have to go. The screen went black. Rick didn't write the next day. Or the next. Serena sulked and worried and sulked and asked Edgar eight million questions he didn't have the answers to. Finally, on the millionth time checking her email that evening, she had a letter. Dear Serena, I'm sorry that I left like I did. I had an important decision to come to, and I have. I am in love with you. Serena stopped reading. Her heart leapt. Her blood raced. Her hands were shaking, and she felt that she couldn't breathe. She rolled off the rock and into the water, and swam around in six quick circles, then climbed back up onto the rock. I have never been... In love, but I know this is what it is. I tried to tell myself I wasn't, that I was happy being your friend, talking to you online. I almost convinced myself. And then I heard you sing, and I can't. Serena, I have to tell you the truth. I'm very sorry, more sorry than I've ever been about anything that I've misled you. I didn't really mean to. I've never explained why I haven't asked to meet you. I've wondered if you even cared. If you felt the way about me that I feel about you, if you even wanted to see me, to touch me. Serena's face turned hot red and her body tingled. She didn't care about what he was saying, about misleading her somehow. She wanted to touch him. I've never let you see me below my waist because I'm paralyzed. I was in a car accident when I was 12. It's very hard for me to date because of this, because it is hard to see how women sometimes look at me. I can understand if you're mad at me for misleading you, or if all this seems like more than you can enter into, or if it's scary that I'm in love with you, but I want to hold you so badly. I have for so long. Please agree to see me. Rick. P.S. Before I met you, I only believed in music. I did not believe in anything else, not in love or God or anything I couldn't see. Now I believe in love. And that makes me believe in anything, in magic, and wonder, and the impossible. I believe you are a marine biologist, and I believe that if I love someone that I have never met in person. Serena, I believe so much that if you were to tell me tomorrow that you were a mermaid, I would believe you. All along the coast of the lake, people felt startled to wakefulness. She covered her mouth. Tears streamed down her face and she laughed, her hands shaking. She reached for the keyboard. She tried to breathe deep. Maybe she should wait until she calmed down to write. <laughs> no, she couldn't. I love you too. I am so happy right now. Please, please see me as soon as possible. I think. I, I think we can. I, I, I do not know how much of what you wrote in your letter that you meant. I, I, I don't know if you were only joking. I, I do not know what you saw or what you thought about me. I do not know what you see in me or what, what you see of me. But I, I want to find out and I, I want to hold you too. <laughs> this is impossible. It is all, all very impossible, but maybe right now I, I can believe in the impossible too. But like you do. Please come to the lake. Come to Montrose Harbor. Come come now. <laughs> she hesitated. Her hands were still shaking. She took a deep breath. She stopped shaking. Was this too forward? Was it too much? Could she really meet him? Did he know? If he didn't know, what would he do when he found out? Could she really just tell him to come to Montrose Harbor? And then he would come and see her? And then what? Then what? She didn't care. She reached for the computer. She moved the little arrow to the send box, her finger hovering over the button. Just then, with a startling <coughs> a seagull landed on her keyboard. Serena shrieked. <coughs> She'd been in another world, far away from Chicago and Montrose Harbor and seagulls. She was mad to be interrupted in the middle of love, in the middle of the biggest decision of her life. She swatted at the seagull, only she hit the computer screen, and it tottered for a moment, and then slid. She reached for it. 
stove, but before she could really even understand what was happening, it was falling, and with hardly a splash, it landed sideways in the water and was gone from sight. She swam as fast as she had ever swum, holding the recovered laptop over the water, her tail pumping powerful current. Edgar would fix it. Or Edgar could get her a new one. He would understand. He would understand how important it was. He would know what to do. He would take care of her. She reached Shed Aquarium before she realized that it was still early in the afternoon. Edgar would not be there for hours, and she would risk being seen if she hovered around the place. But she couldn't bear to leave, so she sunk down along the wall under the water, there in the dark, feeling the rebound from the waves against the cement, and waited. As dusk neared, she would swim up occasionally to look, but no Edgar. Then it was dusk, and no Edgar. And then it was night. She waited all night. At dawn, Edgar had still not come. The sun went higher in the sky. She had not eaten. She was weak, exhausted, frightened, in love, so hungry. What would Rick think? What would he think? He would think she did not love him. He would think he had frightened her away. He would think she cared about his legs. He would think she was gone. He would be alone. She covered her face. Where was Edgar? She had to eat. She swam down the coast and found a place to hide the broken laptop, then swam away to find Vish. Many days passed. Edgar did not return. For the first few days, she only cared about Rick. She only cared that Edgar come and bring her a laptop so she could write to him. But now she thought... She thought that Edgar was very old. She swam to the aquarium. She wanted to yell, to yell for help, to tell them that Edgar was gone and ask them to find him. To make someone tell her that he was okay. But she was a mermaid. And this was a prison. This was the worst possible place for her to float outside of and scream like she wanted to. It was all she wanted to do. She wanted to scream for help. Her thoughts wouldn't give her words. She couldn't think any more clearly about Edgar. About where Edgar might be. If she thought too much, she would fall apart. So she swam. A city is a very terrible place when it holds everything you love and you are not in it. Chicago rose above her, filled with people and lights and buildings and cars. She could not even reach the great road, Lakeshore Drive, that stretched along it, cars speeding along all night. She could go no farther than the smallest bit of sand on the beach. No barrier was ever higher, no wall ever thicker, no loneliness so complete. The lights from the buildings floated on the dark water, brighter than the moon. They floated around her as if she was in one of the buildings herself, surrounded by the windows and the offices and homes. But she was not. She was only a reflection. Serena learns a sad lesson in loneliness. Let's learn something completely useless from the science kids. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Joji. Nope. And I'm Jody? No. And I'm Jody. No! And I'm Dodie? And I'm Jody! And we're the science kids! Let's make science noises! That was awesome! And scientific. Time to reach into the magic mouse and pull out a topic for today's science. You do it. I even will do it. I'm not scared. What's it say? Let me wipe it off first. It says today's topic is quicksand. Awesome. Quicksand is the quickest sand you know. Quicksand is the coolest kid in school. Quicksand plays by its own rules. Quicksand smokes in the boys' room. I hope quicksand asks me to the junior prom. You're too little to go to the junior prom. You're just a science kid. But someday, if I hope and pray, I will grow up to be a science lady.
sand is a sheer, thinning, non-Newtonian fluid. Yeah, eat it, Newton. Eat a fig, Newton. Eat a fig, Newton, in quicksand. The more you struggle against quicksand, the faster you sink into it. Just like Dodie trying to clean her bedroom. Am I right, folks? That's not true. Hey, you're all right, kid. Do cats poop in quicksand? They should. Then they wouldn't have to bury it. It's like sand that flushes like a turlet. We should get some quicksand for our cat. We should get a cat for our home. We should get a home. Change for starving homeless science kids, sir. Science facts for loose change, ma'am. <sighs> I'm so hungry I could eat some quicksand right now. Or would it eat you? Science. We now return you to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers Electronic Storytime presentation of Bright Lights, Little Mermaid. And what of Rick? What did he think when Serena did not answer his profession of love? When she did not answer at all? His heart did not break all at once. That would have been easier. Instead, each morning brought the hope that he would have a letter from her waiting for him. And each day, there was nothing. She had disappeared, just when he had told her everything. Catfish. Said Terry, the lead singer of their band. What the heck is a catfish? Asked Rick, as the waitress put two plates of fish and chips down in front of them. When someone online pretends to be someone else so they can pretend to have love. Happens all the time. Really ugly people do it. Or, or people in wheelchairs. No, dude, you're hot. Terry gave him a charming grin before stuffing his mouth with fries. If I was gay, I'd be all over you. You don't need to catfish anybody, trust me. But this person was just messing with you. Everything about her sounds fishy. No, I'm in love with her. You can't fall in love with something that isn't real. I don't think that's possible. Sure it is. When I was a kid, I spent like a year in love with Sailor Moon. Nice. Said Rick, wishing he hadn't told Terry about Serena at all. Listen. Said Terry, dipping a piece of cod into tartar sauce repeatedly. Love is just a chemical reaction in the brain where a certain person triggers dopamine like a dog salivating. I'm sure if her picture was hot enough, you would have had plenty of dopamine. But the things we talked about, I've never felt a connection like that with someone. Then why didn't she just meet you? Rick just stared. Buddy, it's not the wheelchair thing. If that's what you're thinking. Right. I bet. It's not. Look, just... Think of her like the one that got away. Said Terry, reaching across the table and snatching a piece of card off of Rick's plate. He held it up and looked at it, shrugged, and put it in his mouth. Everybody has one of those. You have a one that got away. I have like six. Let it go, Rick. We'll get you a real girlfriend. You don't need a... Damn dating site, man. We're in a band. We have groupies. You have groupies. Trust me. You have groupies. Huh? Rick pushed his plate away and frowned. Then he thought of something and laughed. He raised an eyebrow at Terry. Sailor Moon, huh? No cartoon man is luckier than Tuxedo Mask. Rick tried to move on with his life. He worked on his music and rehearsed. Months went by. One night he even went on a date with a girl who liked his band. Terry had introduced him after a show. When he got home from the date, feeling grim and determined, he went to his computer. On the night of his one Skype conversation with Serena, his last conversation with Serena, he had been overwhelmed by the sound of her singing. He was a musician, a writer. He was always listening for sounds and styles that he could incorporate into his work. But this sound moved him beyond anything he had ever heard before. And by the time she had started singing that strange and beautiful folk song about the water, he had started recording her. He hadn't watched the video since then because he thought it would be too painful. At the time, he had thought that he would convince Serena to be a vocalist in his band and that they'd make beautiful music together. Artistic success would come together with love for both of them. It seemed silly and stupid now. And Terry was right. He needed to forget her. He opened the file and went to press delete, but he hesitated. And then press play. He would watch her, hear her, just one last time, and then say goodbye. But when he heard that voice, 
steeped in loneliness and longing, grief welled up in him. He didn't want to go on a date with a stupid groupie. He wanted Serena. He loved Serena. He put his head down on his desk and he started to cry. It was too much. He reached for his mouse to delete the video, but when he looked at the screen, he stopped. Serena wasn't on the screen. She had stepped away before she had started singing, and the camera was instead pointed at a dark landscape. He had not been paying attention to what was behind her when they had been speaking, and once she had started singing, that was all that mattered. But now he looked. It was very dark, but it was the lake. What he thought had been static was the sound of the waves, and that outline was the horseshoe pier at Montrose Harbour. That light was the little tower at its end. She had been at Montrose Harbour. He knew it didn't make any sense that she would still be at the harbour now, today. It had been weeks ago. But he grabbed his backpack and rushed out the door. Serena spent her nights swimming. She kept things simple and swam up and down the coast so she didn't need to think. One night she had stopped swimming for a moment to pull her hair back and catch her breath when she heard music drifting out from the shore. This was unusual only because it was so late at night, and with a sudden jolt to her heart and stomach, she realized the tune was familiar. It was one of Rick's songs. She turned and raced for the shore. Rick! 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 She was at Baltros Harbor, and there, still some distance away, sitting on the cement pier in his wheelchair, was Rick. Should she not have yelled? How could she explain everything? But no, he had heard her. She could tell. He was looking. He was waving his arms. There was no help for it now. She swam to him. Twenty feet from him, she stopped. She tread water there, trying to see him through the night, the look on his face. Serena? Yes. Uh, are, are you out? I, I'm Wait. just out for a swim. Did you get my email, the one where I... Uh, yes, yes, and, and, and I wanted to tell you to come to see me, to, to come here. I, I told you to come here, but but my laptop... I'm here. I'm, I'm here, Serena. Most nights. Almost every night for the last month. I can't help it. I didn't know what else to do. I knew you must like this place, and I come each night just hoping. My friends say you didn't... I want to talk to him anymore, but... I do want to talk to you. She said, swimming closer. She stopped again. How could she go to him? How could she? What would he think when he really saw her? When he saw her gills, her teeth, her body? She felt lightheaded. Last night, I started bringing music. He put the laptop down on the cement pier next to him. It still played. It's really nice to hear your music again. You're so talented. Can you... Come any closer? Uh, Rick, I I, I... I don't know. I, I think I shouldn't. I, I'm not, not tonight. I... She looked away from him. She had wanted this so badly, but what if he... And then there was a splash. Rick was in the water. He was treading with his arms and laughing. Then he sunk a little and gulped some water and coughed, and Serena was there. And then there was a splash. Rick was in the water. He was treading with his arms and laughing. Then he sunk in a little in gulps of water and coughed, and Serena was there. Her arms around him, holding him, her powerful tail holding them both above water, their faces close, his arms around her, his arms were strong. Rick. I couldn't wait anymore. Her hands were on the side of his face, in his hair. He reached to touch her hair and paused, his eyes wondering at the feel of her, her skin. Not like yours. No. He looked down into the moonlit water. You're beautiful. She smiled. She put her face against the side of his face to touch him, to hide herself. I want to see. He gently pushed her away to look at her. She smiled shyly and covered her mouth. He gently lowered her hand. He closed her mouth. But the way he was looking at her, like she was the most wondrous mystery, the sparkle in his eyes, she smiled, all teeth. He kissed her, softly, so softly. She melted, and then she caught on fire. She clutched him, she pulled him close, pushed herself closer to him. She ran her hands through his hair and down his back. She kissed him harder, it felt so good to do. I thought I lost you forever. She kissed him harder, still harder. Ow! He pulled back from her, 
She kept her arms wrapped around him. I'm sorry. There was blood on his lip. <laughs> it's okay. It's, uh, it's okay. My Rick, uh, these stupid teeth. I, I do that to myself sometimes, too. She touched her own mouth. It had his blood on it. She licked it off her hand. Then she pulled him to her again, kissed him even harder. His music still played from the pier. They rose together in the water on the power of her tail. She gripped him even tighter. She was lost in him, one with him. His body was her body. So much that she forgot to swim, forgot to hold them up, then slowly slipped into the water. The lake closed gently over them like soft moonlight and chocolate. She held him to her, against the darkness, against the cold, his heat, his blood. She kissed, she clawed, tasted, as lower they fell, away from the moon, away from the night, away from the world. What could she do after that? Time got strange again. It might have been a year, or only a moment, when she heard a familiar voice calling to her. Part of her was elated and leapt with joy, and then she shoved that part down again and called it bad names. Serena? Serena said nothing. She wanted to swim away, but she also did not want to. She couldn't decide. It's me, Edgar. Serena looked around. She was outside the aquarium. How long had she been there? The air was cool. It was early evening. Edgar was not wearing his usual aquarium jumpsuit, but instead a cardigan and slacks. He looked smaller. Grayer. You're... You're okay. As okay as anyone is at 79. (laughs) I'm sorry, I had a small stroke. I was in the hospital. I wanted to get a message to you, but how could I tell a nurse? Someone needs to go to Lake Michigan and find my friend the mermaid. I couldn't say that if I wanted them to let me go home. But now, they've let me go home. Serena nodded from where she was and tried to smile. Why are you so far out there? Tell me everything that's happened. Come on, come here. I'd better not. She started to drift slowly away from the edge of the pier. Don't be silly. How can we talk with you so far away? Edgar. What's happening with you? What's happening with your boy? Are you still talking with him? Did you meet? Serena sighed. There was no help for it. She reversed direction and swam closer to the land. She needed to face Edgar. Edgar! She came up to the edge of the pier. He knelt down and searched her face, understanding now that something was very wrong. Dear Serena, what happened? Rick is gone. (sighs) Oh well, I'm sorry to hear that. You seem to really like one another. But these things happen. No! I hate him! Edgar fell silent. The waves lapped against the concrete. Edgar put his hand to his face. There was more silence. He was looking out at the water. He didn't say anything. Then he sat down on the side of the dock slowly and looked down at the water, nodding. Shut up! The bird flew off. I didn't know what I was doing. She finally went on without looking at Edgar and feeling ashamed that she was not even more ashamed. It felt so good to have him in my arms. By the time I understood what I had done, what I was doing, it, it, it was too late. I don't even know if I could have stopped anyway. It just... Happened. I don't care. I, I, I don't care what you think. Still, Edgar said nothing. It felt wonderful, Edgar. I had never known what it was to feel satisfied. Even while I cried, and I cried for weeks. It still felt good. Still, he did not speak. Fine. Don't say anything. You know what, Edgar? I'm sad, and I'm lonely, and I feel like an awful little creature, but also, also, I am so angry, Edgar. I am angry.
at the way the world is. Her little pointed teeth ground against one another, her jaw tight. And human beings, because all the mermaids are gone and it's your fault. Why are you like this? Why do you have to take so much, so much? All gone. And I'm all alone and I have no one to love. And so I had to, I had to love. Neither of them spoke for some time, but neither of them left. Then finally Edgar coughed a little, and his voice cracked as he said, I guess the stories about mermaids doing that must be true. I know. So what? You were just doing what you... what your instinct... I know, I know. Stop. How can you possibly tell me what I did was okay? How can you sit there and even talk to me? Edgar was silent for some time. Serena cried hard. People look here. Look, look. Arcas eats seals. Arcas and seals are both beautiful. My cat loves me. But if I was suddenly the size of a mouse, well... Don't, don't, Edgar. It's not like that. I'm not a cat. What I did is broken, and it's wrong, and it's twisted. <laughs> Maybe. But you were just trying to be happy. You didn't make it this way. Serena cried harder, and then Edgar slowly laid down on his stomach and lowered his hand to her. No! I'll bite it off. <laughs> <laughs> Serena glared at him. They made me retire from the aquarium. They've been talking about putting me in a nursing home. Oh, oh. oh I'm sorry. I, I know you don't want to do any of those uh, crossword puzzles. I do hate crossword puzzles. In comparison, being eaten by a friend doesn't seem like a bad way to go. <laughs> She wiped her nose and then took his hand. She held it to her cheek. Oh, I don't want to eat you. Not yet. <laughs> okay. The night was warm, and in a short time holding hands, they had both fallen asleep. Later that night, Serena swam to her rock at Montrose Harbor. Rick's laptop was tucked into her hiding hole there. The next day, she got Edgar to charge it for her. Still had his music on it. Back on her rock, she opened the laptop and pressed play, and the strange, sad, layered tunes filled the air. Rick's music was beautiful. Rick was beautiful. It was funny that she hated human beings so much as a whole, but every human she actually knew, she really loved. And then the tears started. Not as hot this time. They were happy tears. Edgar had been right. Even when someone was gone, it almost didn't matter because she still loved Rick. So she had that. And she still had Edgar. And a laptop. So things weren't completely awful. Only she was really hungry. Her stomach grumbled. In the days that followed, eating fish seemed to satisfy her less and less. Eventually, she resigned herself to the facts. Then, she embraced them. She began to think of the facts as almost a statement of purpose. Her and Edgar were not so different. Edgar spent his life trying to stop the humans from wrecking the world. He did this by putting living things in prisons. Edgar called it teaching. Serena had a more direct approach to protecting the world from people. She ate them, and she called it love. Yes, she thought, Edgar educating people required some loss and some pain to the fish and mammals involved, but the end goal was a good one. And Serena's necessary sustenance caused some small amount of pain and loss to her and others, but in the end, the goal was a good one too. Edgar didn't make a big difference in the world by having an aquarium, but he was doing his small part. And Serena probably couldn't eat enough people to make a big difference to the global ecosystem either. But she too could do her small part. 
She opened the web browser on Rick's computer and went to her dating profile. Rick had loved her singing. That made her really happy. Maybe eventually she hoped her singing voice would get good enough with practice and then she could lure people the old-fashioned way, the way her ancestors had. But for now, she didn't see the problem with relying a bit on human technology. She smiled her pointy-toothed smile when she saw that her dating profile had gotten quite a few more messages from quite a few more boys. And at first glance, some of them looked pretty cute. And delicious. That was a lovely story. Yes, I know I believe in love again. I hate you both. Well, we love you. You have been listening to the inscrutable Brimble Banks Brothers Electronic Storytime presentation of She's a Catch, or Single White Fish Female, written by Justin Didovic and starring Justin Didovic as Jameson Brimble Banks and Brody H. Brocky as Bentley Brimble Banks. This episode was brought to life by the voice talents of Francesca Vitali as Serena, John Benishek as Edgar, Patrick Goldman as Rick, Derek Gachinara as Terry, and Colleen Stano as Lucinda Brimble Banks. This episode's commercial, Garbage Chest, was written by Brody H. Brocky and Justin Didovic and starred Brocky, Didovic, and Colleen Stano. The Science Kids Learn About Quicksand was written by Brody H. Brocky and starred Hala Alawi as Jody and Amanda Burgess Dowdy. Until next month, this is the Voxbit 5000 saying, Cover up your shame!